It's good to be with you this morning. <clears throat> if you will take your, your testaments and turn to Romans 12, we'll be there in a minute. I want to talk a little bit uh, this morning, um, <clears throat> kind of around this topic of, um, you know, you hear these things out in, in the world, you know, this is who I am, I can't help it, and then you kind of fill in the blank with whatever the next, uh, whatever comes next. You know, I think mostly in our world today we hear this in regards to, uh, you know, the homosexual, transgender type uh, movement that's going on uh, in our country. But, you know, take it back from there. Uh, <clears throat> and I think we can all have maybe even said some of these phrases or certainly have heard them. You know, I can't help that I have a short temper. I can't help that I'm, um, you know, prone to saying bad, having bad language. I, I can't help that... Um, I like this, or I can't help that this, or you know, whatever it may be. I know I shouldn't be this way, but, and then, you know, fill in the blank. It's this idea of giving an excuse uh, for how I am. This is just who I am. You know, we hear this, uh, God made me this way. I was born this way. Uh, you know, so getting back genetically. Uh, or it's just a natural response. So this happens, and then... Uh, I do this, I say this, uh, someone else does this, says this, and it's just kind of a, uh, well, uh, there's an excuse. And, you know, here on the bottom, you know, little Johnny has fill in the blank, and so therefore we're giving little Johnny a pass for whatever bad behavior there is that's fixing to commence here, uh, and we're all just, you know, oh well, um, Certainly, there are legitimate things. I'm not. I'm not throwing legitimate things in here, but I think we recognize that a lot of these things are not, and uh, we're going to get to a little bit more of that in a minute. And so, what you kind of see, uh, if you kind of listen to people talk about these things, uh, there's this, uh, this, you know, what what makes me who I am, kind of going back to what we've talked about a minute ago, and so you have this idea of. Nature and nurture, uh, so uh, my genetics, my DNA, uh, that's you know kind of who I am. This uh, God made me this way. Um, and then you have this idea of nurture, so um, what's happened in your childhood to lead you up to this point? Uh, you know, how were you treated up to this point? What kind of hardships were they? Did you, did you live through a war? Uh, whatever that may be, the things that are uh, more environment. Uh, your home life, the country you grew up in, uh, the school you wound up attending, you know, kind of, you kind of see where that goes. And so, you know, people will say that these two things is what makes someone who they are today. All right? So these two things combined uh, make that happen. I ran across something the other day that I have just uh, kind of not, I've been thinking a lot about. Um, I think it's quite fascinating myself. Um, when you do an MRI on the brain, you this this is the kind of image you get, and 
all psychopaths have a particular brain structure. When you, if you were to uh, run psychopath and MRI machine, they all look like this. And of course, on the uh, other side, you kind of see there's some things kind of not quite hitting. All right, uh, psychopaths make up low single digits of the main population. You get to politicians, it goes to the double digits very quickly. Um, but what is fascinating to me about this, that's related to kind of what I want us to talk about today and kind of some of the things we've already kind of looked at to set the stage for this, is all psychopaths have this brain. But there are people walking around that have that brain that are not psychopaths. All right, is that, did that soak in? It took me a minute to kind of formulate that in my mind. All right, all psychopaths have a certain brain structure, but just because you have a psychopath brain does not make you a psychopath. That doesn't make you a serial killer. You can have this. You can be genetically born. Your DNA and your genetics can be like this, and you actually not participate in those evil things that psychopaths participate in. I, I found that fascinating when I, when I ran across this information. I listened um, to an hour's worth of, of this discussion. You know, this, this is really a medical-type discussion. And so I'm like, well, wow, there's really less excuses, you know, than maybe even my fault, even in my own mind. You know, so uh, this idea of I'm just going to act this way or I'm just going to be this way because... That's who God, you know, I was born this way. This is, this, is, this is what I have to work with. And so, therefore, I'm going to participate or I'm going to do uh, these things. Um, questions, I think, maybe to consider. Uh, is it acceptable for us to do evil things because of some imperfect circumstance that we went through in our life before now? So this kind of gets back to the nurture end of it. Uh, I've, I've lived through some horrible situation. Uh, so therefore, does that give me an excuse? Is it now therefore acceptable for me to do X, Y, Z? Fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Whatever simple behavior it may be. Do, does anybody in here think that in our Bibles, Paul, Peter, David had perfect parents. I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, there was some good and some bad. I'm pretty positive of that. Uh, do you think, and I don't know if they went to school or not, but do you think that if they did go to school that they were never made fun of, bullied around, uh that they lived through life with zero hardship, physical or mental, emotional. I don't think that either. Turned out to be great people. Do you think that the society in where they grew up was perfect? I'm thinking mostly Paul and Peter. They grew up under Roman rule. We know uh, what that looked like. That Roman rule was the same Roman rule in a Jewish nation that killed our Savior. So do we think that there was perfect justice being had in the environment in which they lived? You know, so um, 
these are all, I mean, if you just kind of think a minute, you can probably think back to uh, things that you've heard people say that relate back to these things in the day in which we live. You know, that the, these are the set of circumstances and these are the set of things that have happened. And so therefore, I have an excuse to be the way I am today, which is some evil, sinful thing. And then we have to ask ourselves, is the Lord going to give us a pass because of whatever, fill in the blank, because of whatever has happened uh, to me in my life, that the Lord's just going to say, well, I'm just going to give you a pass for that. And then is there any legitimate excuse for not doing what we know to do, what we know to be right? At the end of the day, is there really... uh, any legitimate excuse. Turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. We're going to come back to this verse. I just want to read this verse, and then we're going to come back to it later on in the lesson. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, uh, you can see here in verse 2, Paul is telling us, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And we're going to come back uh, to this in a moment. But in regards to this discussion today, I think it really boils down to the choice is ours. We make these decisions. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30, beginning in verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, beginning in verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near near you in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. And so, you know, here we see uh, that they're told that the, the commandment of God, God's uh, word to them, it's not far from them. It's right, it's right, uh, right before you. It's not so far that you have to send somebody over the sea or you have to send somebody into heaven to go get it. It's right here before you. Verse 14, the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, that I command you today to love the Lord your God. Uh, He's laying out a decision for them to make. He's saying, this is what the Lord would have for you to do. It's not too far off. It's not too complicated. It's not too mysterious, verse 11, for you. Uh, But it's up to you. It's up to you. You make the decision of life and good or death and evil. And we all, that choice is for each and every one of us today. Joshua 24. Joshua 24 and in verse 15. Verse 14 beginning. 
Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods of your fathers, the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua was laying out for them the, their decision. You know, are you going to serve the other gods? Are you going to serve uh, the real God? Are you going to serve uh, serve the Lord, as he puts it there in verse 14? Again, the decision is theirs to make. The decision is ours to make. Luke 16. Luke 16. And in verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he, else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And so, Jesus letting us know here that we can't, we can't serve two masters. Uh, we have to make uh, the, the decision, and each and every one of us do make that decision. Romans 6, and in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when we were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's telling us, you make that decision. You're either going to be a slave of God or you're going to be a slave of the devil. You're going to be a slave to righteousness uh, leading to life or you're going to be a slave of unrighteousness leading to death. Uh, again, the decision we all make. The choice is ours. What are we going to do? How are we going to conduct ourselves? How are we going to live our life? Are we going to serve Him or are we not? Uh, it's a decision that we all make. Go back to Romans 12. There in verse 2, Romans 12 and verse 2, this phrase, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This transform, the Greek word is metamorpha. Uh, You think of, at least I think of, the uh, worm, not worm, caterpillar changing into a butterfly. So you have this take place. Um, they make the cocoon. Uh, and then, wow, you have a caterpillar go to a butterfly. All right, So you have this truly transforming that takes place. That's what we are to do. We are to be transformed. We are to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does he mean by that? We'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. This is the same word 
Uh, we just talked about the transfiguration uh, in Luke 9 last Wednesday. Uh, but if you look at Matthew 17, 2, uh, same story. Uh, it says, He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Jesus was transformed. Uh, it looks to me like it into uh, less of a physical being and more of a spiritual being, or maybe fully. All right? um, and so it's the same word used here that's used in Matthew 17 that took place with Jesus. And we know that Elijah and Moses were there as well. All right? uh, so this is not something that's... Um, Again, we can't have one foot over uh, in unrighteousness and one foot over in righteousness. No, it's a, it's a truly uh, changing of the mind. It's a renewing of the mind completely. Again, we'll get into this discussion of the old man and the new man. Second Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul here is telling us that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That, that image to me is uh, a fascinating image to put in my mind of what uh, will take place uh, for the Christian. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, beginning of verse 27. Isaiah 40, and verse 27, beginning. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so you have uh, Isaiah here saying, uh, Why do you say, O Jacob and house of Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? It can't be. Uh, we can't hide anything from him. He never faints or is weary. And his understanding is unsearchable. Go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians four. And in verse sixteen. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here we have uh, Paul again telling us that the inward man is being renewed day by day. Of course, if you think back to what we've already talked about, this idea of of the decision, the choice that we make, uh, we're going to make the decision, are we going to be renewed uh, day by day? Are we the people... uh, that are going to allow uh, that to take place. Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 17. Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling had given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with, with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so here you have this idea of putting on the new man, uh, laying off the old man. Um, he says there in verse 23, uh, or verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. All right? And so that's what... Uh, we are to do is put off uh, the old, put off uh, sin, and put on the new so that we can be renewed. And that you, verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you, want, you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now... You yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man, which is who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So here again, just as we see in Ephesians you have to put off the old to be renewed, to be transformed. We have to do that. And if you think back to kind of some of the questions or, or I guess statements we began with, you know, well, I can't, I can't help uh, this because whatever. I, that's just who I am. I'm prone to, you know, if you go to verse 8, I'm prone to being angry. I'm prone to uh, letting filthy language come out of my mouth. Verse 5, I'm prone to uh, looking at other women. I'm prone to uncleanness. I've got these passions. I've got these evil desires. That's just who I am. That's no excuse. We're to put off those things. We're to choose that. We're to choose the good thing. We're to choose life. We're to choose uh, to be renewed, to be transformed. uh, And put on the good. Not just put off the old, but to put on the new so that we don't participate in those things in which we did uh, once upon a time. I heard this phrase a long time ago. It's hard to outrun your raisin. I do believe that. I still don't think it's an excuse, but I do believe that. 
uh, you know, so whatever whatever things went on uh, in your life, you know. Uh, and then I've got a opponent that is hard to outrun, and you just kind of fill in the blank. And so, you know, it's not that, that things don't happen to us. It's not that, uh, you know... Just because you're a Christian, you don't uh, endure some form of hardship. But I think we can see that that God's not going to give us a pass just because of that. You think of the men of faith that we look to, the things that they endured, the things they went through, the things they overcame. I mean, this book is a story of overcoming, you know? Uh, And so, look at Romans 12 and in verse 21. Romans 12 and verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not that there won't be evil, but we are to overcome that evil. Second Peter. Second Peter 2 and in verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is is worse for them than the beginning, and so you have this idea of returning back. You know, so you have escaped uh, the world. You have um, known the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, and you're again entangled uh, back in them. Um, you know, this is uh, he's saying here a bad thing. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. So this idea of don't be overcome uh, by evil. Same thing uh, that Paul said there in Romans. First John 5. First John 5, beginning in verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so, what does he say here? How do we overcome? We overcome through faith. We overcome through, through Jesus. Uh, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that's who overcomes. Uh, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And so, if we're going to defeat the evil, if we're going to overcome the evil in our life and in this world, it's going to take Him. We've got to have Him. There's no way to do it without Him. Um, uh, it's only through Him that we can overcome. We just look through uh, the churches there in Revelation and you have this phrase in there, uh, to him who overcomes, uh, mentioned several times. I believe it's in all seven. So if you look at Roman or Revelation 2 and in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And you think back to all the things that we talked about that's going on in these churches. And he's not saying that 
all are going to eat of the tree of life, even that are there in these churches. He's saying to him who overcomes, whatever evil there and whatever evil that's going on there, whatever evil this this uh, uh, going on in their lives, it's only to him who overcomes that gets the reward. So, look at verse eleven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. The churches, he who overcomes, shall not be hurt by the second death. Chapter two, verse seventeen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. The churches, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Verse 26, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Chapter 3 and in verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. Verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Who is near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. He who has an ear, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Does everybody here have an ear in the book of Revelation that we're talking about? Everybody's got an ear. Why does He say that? He's telling those that are willing to listen, those that are willing to hear, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says it right in there with to him who overcomes every time. Of course, he's rounding out the message at the same time. But he, he typically leaves them, at least it's towards the end of each of them, to him who overcomes. I'm going to grant you this. So it's only to those who overcome whatever evil it is in their life. Think back to the old man, new man discussion there in Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, we've got to be willing to do that. We've got to be willing to make that decision uh, to, to, do, to put the evil out of our lives. I saw this, figured he was fitting. This quote here, if it's important to you, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. I think it's very true. You know, if it's something that, that means something to us, if it's something that's important to us, we'll find a way to work through it. We'll find a way to overcome whatever that is. If not, we're just going to make an excuse for why we are the way we are, why we did what we did, and really not uh, be willing to change. Just some words of you know, conclusion. Just kind of summarizing what we've discussed today. If you don't put off the old man and his tendencies and desires, you're not going to heaven. None of us are. If we're not willing to put in the effort to overcome, if we're not willing to put in the effort to put to death the old man and put on the new man and be transformed by the renewing of our mind, uh, we're not going to go to heaven. There's no excuse for bad behavior. You know, we can't blame it on our circumstances, our childhood, our environment, our genetics. Think back to the brain. We can't, we can't, we can't uh, be excused because of that. We decide every day if we're going to serve Him or if we're going to be our old self. You know, in Luke 9, last Wednesday night, we, we talked through this verse, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. So this is a decision that we're all making. It's not a one-time decision. It's not like you, you just decide on life today and that's the last decision you make and you're just going to go to heaven. No, it's a decision we wake up and make every day. Are we going to do uh, the good thing, the right thing, or are we going to do the wrong things? And then, you know, looking back to what we just read through in the book of uh, Revelation, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so, uh, I guess the exhortation or the encouragement for us all is to to strive to overcome whatever that is, whatever evil uh, we have, whatever tendencies we have uh, in ourselves. Let's strive to overcome those, and He will give us uh, the reward is heaven. The reward is great. So, if there's any way that we can pray for you today, uh, we'd ask that you come forward as we stand the same.